Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting once again from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not trying to force the masks Back on to your kids, 2023, picking up where 2022 left off with the COVID cops trying to remask the youth of America. New year, same old crap. Tell me about it. And it comes at the same time the climate crowd is back to fundraising off the end of the world. You're all a bunch of grifters. They really are. We're going to get into it along with an update on the tragedy that has left an NFL player fighting for his life up in Buffalo. And, of course, Kevin McCarthy fighting for his speakership as the new Congress gets sworn in today in Washington. The point is, if it's happening in America, it is happening on this show once again at 888-788-9910. The rules did not change over the holiday break. I was getting thrown off mechanical bulls and hosting the pants off of New Year's Eve down in Memphis or Nashville. I don't know. There was that much booze flowing. I was somewhere in Tennessee. But the point is, as we return back to New York, you can be a Republican on the show. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a That is all. Welcome back. And thank you. If you tuned in and watched me on New Year's Eve, uh, that was outrageous. We're going to be joined today. It's a busy day on the show because it is our first day back. Uh, Bill Hemmer is going to be here, the co-host of America's Newsroom. Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen joining us shortly after his swearing in today for the first time as a senator. Uh, We will hear from retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow, who has been out in Idaho, uh, keeping us up to speed on those gruesome slayings. And of course, Emily Campagno, co-host of Outnumbered, the human happy hour, will be rounding out the cast as well. And of course, every one of you remain welcome. But the big news as we get underway is not that I have miraculously sobered up from New Year's Eve. It's that Fox Across America, as we enter the 2023 season, uh, is now broadcasting for the first time in our illustrious history on a brand new affiliate out in Susanville, California. Oh, girl. Take off the apron, Jenny Fela. We are going out tonight, courtesy of the fine folks. At KSUE in Susanville, Northeast California's Talk and Sports, 1240 KSUE on your AM dial. Uh, Some fine folks who happen to have outstanding taste in radio. Wrong. Oh, come on. That was a cheap shot from the booth. But the point is it is a high honor to be gracing your airwaves with our show, a show that began a little over two years ago on about 27 stations, is now up near about 130 stations. And the reason... We happen to be in the position we are of such radical growth is because Fox Across America is a show where I am not the star. The listeners are okay. What I mean by that is I take the issues very, very seriously, but I do not take myself seriously at all. This is a forum where everyone's voice is welcome in the huddle. We don't care how you vote. We don't care what you believe. We just need you to behave, you know, because when you look out at America in this moment, of, I mean, you've probably never been more divided politically than we are right now. Okay, we don't need more Republicans. We don't need more Democrats. We just need less. That's the bottom line. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. So when I get on the air every day, what you're going to notice is I'm unapologetically conservative. That's the hook of the show. But I'm not doing a 
you know, conservative talk show. I am doing an American talk show, meaning I want to prioritize issues from a standpoint that will ultimately create that rising tide that lifts all boats. Because we're at a place in this country where we've become so hyperpartisan and we're fighting each other a lot harder than we're fighting our common enemies. And the quality of life as a whole has deteriorated because of it. So I'm not telling you that, you know, I'm just like some dyed in the wool liberal or anything like that. I'm just telling you my party is America. And if we could create enough forums in talk radio where people root harder for their country than they do for their party, be it Republican or Democrat, the country as a whole, meaning all Americans, e pluribus unum, out of many, one, we'd all be better off if we could get to that place. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? So there you go. If you call in, if you're a part of the show, if you're listening on KSUE out in Susanville, and you want to see me live, I'll be about 80 miles from you on Saturday, February the 4th. I will be in Reno. I'll actually be at the Carson Nugget in Carson City, Nevada, Saturday night, one night only. And if you want to drive a little bit further the following month, it's uh, Saturday night, March the 4th. You can see me at the Crest Theater in Sacramento. I'm going to be out in your hood. I'm going to be stopping by the station. I'm going to be getting to know all of you because that's what this show is. Fox Across America, we're on the road constantly doing the show from new affiliates, doing stand-up in those local markets, and getting to know every one of you because I am a former New York City cab driver, and that is my radio superpower. It's the fact that I don't actually have one. I'm just a regular dude that cares about what you care about and I will get out there and I will meet you and you know who even knows the way my road schedule has been going the last month not only will we wind up in the same stand-up comedy shows but there's a real good chance we might wind up in the same rehab together fat drunk and stupid is no way to go through life it has been a rough road uh, out there and I finally made it home this weekend and got 24 hours off for the first time in a month and hung out with Jenny and Lincoln and uh, sadly Last night as we turned on the Buffalo Bills game and the Cincinnati Bengals games, uh, we saw the same sad imagery, uh, the same horrifying and disturbing imagery that I'm sure you've all come across by now, which was that of young 24-year-old uh, DeMar Hamlin collapsing after a play in last night's Sunday night football game uh, from what we're being told now by the Bills was, in fact, a cardiac arrest that resulted in him getting nine minutes of CPR on the field. He was ultimately put into an ambulance only to be brought back out to have more attention administered before taking him off to the hospital. Uh, By the grace of God, we're being told that his heart rate is now returned to normalcy. He has been intubated. He has been put under. Uh, They have inserted a tube into him uh, to try to get his vitals back to where they need to be so they can ultimately get him out of that coma. And what we will continue to do during today's show is we will update you on his progress. What we're not going to do is politicize this in any way, shape, or form. And I make that point because in the immediate aftermath of last night, there was, of course, Skip Bayless catching all kinds of hell for doing what Skip Bayless does, which is tweeting jackass stuff about the NFL and the economics of calling the game and how even though this poor guy's fighting for his life, we have to be looking for stuff like that. I mean, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I mean, that's what Skip Bayless does, though. He is, you know, proof that we're living in the death of shame. So we're not going to go there and uh, waste too much airtime on it. But then there was also people on Twitter in the conservative party that rushed in immediately to be like, see, it was the vaccine. I'm telling you, he's 24, he collapsed, it's the vaccine. Shut up, will you shut up? 
Okay, just understand, we don't know what happened last night. What we do know is a guy is fighting for his life. And the one thing I try to do on this show is be consistent. One of the things that infuriates conservatives is whenever, I mean any time, okay, there is a mass shooting, the Democrats will run right in and start weaponizing their gun control agenda. It's the NRA's fault. It's the Republicans' fault. It's every law-abiding gun owner in America's fault. Let's take away their guns. They do this every single time. And we all, of course, rightfully condemn it. We go, oh, this is ridiculous. Come on, man. You don't politicize this. People are dying. What kind of dirtbags are you? Okay, but sadly, in the immediate aftermath of this tragedy, we don't have any data yet, but we have rampant speculation, in fact, insistence in some parts of conservative Twitter that this was, of course, the vaccine. Oh, this is the vaccine. You don't understand. This is good. It's it's people with a dirty mind that think like that. I don't know what caused this. Neither do you. What we do know is that a young man is fighting for his life. And if you're going to get mad at one side for not politicizing tragedies or, or for politicizing them, the last thing you want to do is become the thing you hate. So I know this is upsetting because if you listen to some conservative talk shows today, I don't doubt there are young carnival barkers out there, some of which who have curfews, uh, that are yelling and screaming, it's the vaccine and this is what we – we don't know any of that. Okay, It's America. You can say whatever you want, but it doesn't mean that by saying it, you're not going to look like a – That's all I'm trying to say. So where I will focus as we get underway as it pertains to the health of people in this country is, in fact, the mask mandate, because we have people right now as we get on the air today, okay, that are suggesting we go back to masking our kids. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. I mean, really, okay, because to start, we don't have any data whatsoever, none at all. That masking kids has helped them. Tell them like it is. Okay, what we do have is plenty of data that tells us masking kids has harmed them. He knows what he's talking about. I mean, think about that. Okay, we saw the loss of learning. We saw the spikes in depression and incidents of self-harm. These lockdowns, these overzealous COVID restrictions put the kids last and in a lot of instances did lasting damage to the youth of America, not only in their social skills, but academically. I love the poorly educated. But now they're back again. And I wanted to read this to you because this is bananas, man. Okay, and again, these are our kids. The health of our children should not be a Republican issue, should not be a Democratic issue. It should be an issue that's prioritized by every single one of us. Why? Because there are kids. My gosh. So here it is. With COVID cases tapering off for months, elementary schools and high schools in New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania. What do they all have in common? They're run by Democrats. (laughs) Elementary and high schools in New Jersey, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania are reinstating mask mandates for students returning from winter break. That's not right. No, it's disgusting is what it is. Okay, it's disgusting because we have no data. But you understand once these states do this, you understand, thankfully, by the grace of God, the transmission rates in children have been low. Okay, thankfully, have been low. Thankfully. The mortality rate for kids when it comes to COVID is infinitesimal. Thankfully, that is a good thing. Republican, Democrat, anything in between. These are our kids, damn it. Okay, but the reason they implement these mask mandates is because the COVID rates amongst kids will continue to remain low 
but it will allow them it will allow them to run out and say, well, it's because of the masks. That is correct. That's what this is about. So when these three states get continue to get low transmission rates, they'll get, well, it's uh, the masks. See, they implemented it. They got low masks. You know, they got low rates. But the casualty here is not COVID cases. The casualty is our kids. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Okay, and other states will mimic this because the mask thing has become a culture war where the innocent bystander is very much the children we're supposed to be purported to care about when it comes to defending them from COVID and bettering their development as children. We're putting them last when we put masks first. And I know that because if you remember, our own education secretary, Miguel Cordona, flat out admitted that the only study they offered up to suggest kids should be wearing masks in a class didn't have a control group, meaning they didn't compare masked children versus unmasked children when it came to COVID transmission rates. What they compared was masked children versus the rest of the world. That's true. That is true. Now, why is that significant? Because unmasked children already had a much lower rate than the rest of the world. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. A genius, I tell you. But you don't have to be a genius to see through this crap. Okay, and what they're doing here again and again and again. Okay, everything's a perpetual branding exercise now. Everybody wants to be the party that looks like they care. That's what the Democrats run on. Oh, we care about the kids, not like those Republicans that don't want to mask them. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. But that's no. They're actually peeing on your leg and telling you it's COVID. But it would be worse COVID if you didn't have a mask on. And that is the biggest lie of all. In fact, it's clown stuff. There's more dumb mandates from this Fauci clown. He said to vaccinate. We did it right away. I think his brain is putty because his new stupid rule masks every kid in the state. Hey, hey, mask every day. Be masked up in school now. It's like it was when you shot for fly. Be masked up in school now. And make your kids comply. with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. 
Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total Tea. Nugenics Total Tea, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total Tea Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total Tea before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. So here it is. It is Zeke Emanuel. He is on MSNBC. And he says we have to go back to masks. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Clip 18. What measures do you think we should be taking against China? Travel ban, a negative test result. What What is, the, is an effective way? Uh, a travel ban uh, isn't going to, and the negative test results are just going to, they're delaying tactics. They're trying to get us information. They're not going to help. Individually, for your viewers, Andrea, the best thing they can do at the moment, and I know a lot of them are resistant, is masks. Really high quality. I mean, dude, we're not going back to masks. Get them out of here. Get them out. Okay, understand, COVID's a thing. It's here. I'm not telling you it's like fake and you shouldn't take it seriously. But we can't continue to live our lives this way. We have so much targeted data now that tells us who is and isn't being harmed by COVID. If you're elderly with underlying health complications, hey, defense wins championships. You should be taking precautions. If you happen to be morbidly obese, if you're on the Jimmy Fallon diet and you eat like me, that boy is a P.I.G. pig. If people say that about you when you go out to eat, then yeah, maybe play a little defense. But in terms of going back to masks, no. Why? Because we have no data that says the masks are going to help you out anyway. Get some facts and come back and see me. They don't have any facts. Okay, that's the point. And when they start dumping this onto kids, you understand it's not being done with the kids in mind. A lot of the stuff like masks and vaccines, they are wedge issues for the Democratic base right now at a time when they're reeling. Inflation's at a 40-year high. People are actually starting to discuss the border crisis. Understand that I do sports talk radio. I'll tell you who's winning. I'll tell you who's losing. I'll tell you why. Okay, right now the Democrats are in a really bad spot, but nothing fires up their base more than moral superiority. So if we bring back masks, it allows them to get on TV every day and be like, see, we know better than those unmasked Republicans. That's what places like MSNBC and CNN have become. CNN is the worst. But it's the best dressed group therapy session on television. People tune in every night to be told they're better than the unmasked, than the unvaxxed, as they did, if you remember, when they were talking about shaming the unvaxxed. Not getting vaccines. It's time to start shaming them. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. F*** them, f*** their freedom. I want my freedom to live. No, screw your freedom. You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. 
Did you hear that? But lo and behold, they were all wrong. So stick with your freedom, or as Ted Cruz calls it, It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Made a hell of an appearance this morning to start the year on America's Newsroom with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino. Hemmer is going to be joining us in the next hour as our first guest of 2023. And if you're looking for a little more Fallon vision, it is, of course, all available. All of these TV hits on the Fox Across America Facebook page. Tonight, you will see me on Kennedy on the Fox Business Network. And at 10 p.m. Eastern, I will be on the Ingram Angle with Laura Ingram, uh, getting the band back together for the first time in 2023. But right now, some good old-fashioned you and me time here on the radio. Day one, not only of the year, but as I said at the top of the show, it is our first broadcast, a historic day out in Susanville, California, Northern California, best part of the country. Uh, We are broadcasting for the first time ever on Northeast California's Talk and Sports 1240 KSUE. So shout out to that gang and uh, a shout out to everybody who's kicking off the new year in style with us today. Uh, One of the things getting underway is the swearing in of the 118th Congress where the Republican Party has turned into a bag of cats fighting over who's going to be the speaker. Uh, Will it be Kevin McCarthy? They have moved his belongings into the speaker's suite. Uh, But the nominating process has just begun. And by all accounts, it could take two, three, maybe even a historic fourth or fifth round of voting before we have a speaker in Washington, because there are still some holdouts in the Republican Party, chief amongst them, the Matt Gates, Andy Biggses of the world, who do not want to vote for McCarthy because they see him as too much of an establishment shill. Now, I'm of two minds on this, okay? You know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, just shut up and play team ball. The Republicans got to get in there and investigate, investigate, investigate. You know, but then there's this other mind of, well, we did just have these midterms. The party radically underachieved. And it is hard to reward the people leading the party, you know, with an immediate here you go. I mean, understand, Mitch McConnell has an approval rating of 9%. And Mitch McConnell was immediately reinstalled as the Senate minority leader. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you've got a 9% approval rating within your party, we could probably find, I don't know, maybe a better speaker than the guy we have. I admire your honesty. But the way Washington works is like, yeah, we go out and vote. But it's all pro wrestling. And what I mean by all pro wrestling is if you remember back in the day, if you watch wrestling in the 80s, which was the best era, we're talking about the Hulk Hogan era. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Okay, back when Hulkamania was running wild all over the country. Okay. If you remember, pro wrestling fans, very passionate, they'd get in the parking lot and fight you. The whole, the, you know, the Hulk Hogan's fans would get in the parking lot and they would beat up the Macho Man's fans. You're a liar. All right, so maybe the Macho Man fans would win. I don't care one way or the other. But the point is, while the fans were beating each other up in the parking lot, hey, I like the Hulkster. Hey, I like the Macho Man. The Hulkster and the Macho Man, they were going off to Hooters to have dinner together. That's just how white folks will do you. And that's exactly what's going on in Washington. We just kick each other's heads in as voters. I like the Republicans. I like the Democrats. But do you want to know something? At the tippy top of the food chain, 
the guys like Mitch McConnell and, oh, I don't know, maybe Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer is a clown. They're all going out to Hooters while we're fighting in the parking lot. What is Mitch McConnell doing today in Kentucky? He is playing host to Joe Biden, who announced yesterday that he was going down to Kentucky to do an event with Mitch McConnell. I don't remember that ever happening. But they're they're doing it. They're doing it today. They are applauding themselves for passing a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill at a time when inflation is crushing Americans on fixed incomes, at a time when inflation is crushing the lowest earners in our country. We just printed and spent $1.7 trillion that will only make inflation worse. That is financial lunacy. But they love spending money because most of what you're watching in Washington, D.C. is not a Republican party. It is not a Democratic party. It is a uniparty. Bingo. 90% of what occupies offices in the Capitol does not belong to the Republican party. It does not belong to the Democratic party. It belongs to the uniparty. Okay, the uniparty that goes along to get along, spend more money, bring more back to the district, we'll continue to get elected. We continue to get elected. We'll get more hot stock tips. We'll get more fancy lobbyist lunches and dinner down on K Street. We're subsidizing their lifestyle at the cost and expense of our tax burden. Just hold on to your pocketbook. They just put a lien on your money, your savings, and your retirement. So without getting too far into the woods, okay, making this too wonky, what you need to understand is, yes, the Republicans, you want them to get in there and hit the ground running day one. All right. We're going to investigate Hunter Biden. Hunter's a dirtbag. I think they should, of course, investigate Hunter Biden. Because he wouldn't have gotten any of the money that he got had his dad not been the sitting vice president of the United States. So, yes, I do think it's necessary. Nobody was sitting over in Ukraine going, yeah, you know, we're here in the boardroom trying to get this power company off the ground. What we need is a guy who doesn't speak our language, who has a crack problem and has no background in energy. That's what we need on the board. Okay, we know he only got the money because of who his dad was. We know that's worth looking into. We know, yeah, you might want to look into the failure in the gaslighting over the Afghan troop withdrawal. We know you might want to look into the real dereliction of duty at the southern border. We understand that all of these things are possible. Okay, but having the right people in place to do them is a lot more important than actually doing them. Do you understand? So in this moment of unrest in the Republican House, it's not going to end with a Democrat in charge. It's going to end with some Republican nominee. Let's hope the best one possible doing the gig. And if there are holdouts, it is their right to hold out. And you know what? I, you know, for whatever you think about a Biggs or whatever you think about, a, you know, a Matt Gates, I don't care if they're upsetting the establishment apple cart in D.C. That was Donald Trump's biggest contribution to our country is, yeah, you might like his policies infinitely better than Biden's. I think you should. If you love America, you have to like Trump policies more than Biden policies because Biden's selling out the country at every turn. But Trump's biggest achievement was that he was the Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack. He got into the elite country club and started reading the elites their truth. You're a scam. You're a slob. You're a sellout. We're getting ripped off 
by all of this NATO crap where we're paying for everybody else's membership money and no one's even kicking in. They're taking advantage of it. China's stealing our intellectual property. They're ripping us off, devaluing their currency, screwing us over on tariffs and steel deals. Trump getting into the party tent and reading the elites, their truth was really valuable in Washington because they hated it. The body language of Washington during the Trump era was that of a cat getting a bath. Flat ears. Why am I doing this? Get me out of this sink. Well, lo and behold, they got him out of the sink. I don't know that he's going to get back in. But for as long as we have people in Washington doing that type of bidding, which is upsetting the elite apple cart and forcing them to work a little bit harder for our support, I do believe that's a win for every single one of us. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone. 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are stressed out from their busy lives of flying around in private jets, eating five-star meals, and getting six-handed massages. It's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes. You can help take the edge off by donating to the Royal Relief Fund. I never thought that this would be easy, but I thought it would be fair. The Royal Relief Fund is your chance to help whiny, entitled do-nothings survive their woe-is-me charade of a life. It's not enough to just survive something. Like That's not the point of life. For just $283,000 a day, you can give a British royal things they desperately need to survive, like 30 assistants five personal chefs, and a string quartet to serenade them while they poop. Because not many people have asked if I'm okay. The Royal Relief Fund, connecting gullible fools like you with self-important clowns like them for over five years. Oh, more donations rolling in for the Royal Relief Fund. Prince Harry getting ready to do an appearance on 60 Minutes this weekend to tout his new memoir. And as we get news of that sit-down, Meghan Markle now announcing that she, too, is writing a woe-is-me memoir coming out a week after Prince Harry's. Uh, Get her out. Get her out of here. There is no bigger scam in the time we happen to be living in than spectacularly rich people asking poor people to feel bad for them. I agree with that. Okay, that's what's going on here. 65% of America is living paycheck to paycheck, meaning barely getting by. But Harry and Meghan making the media rounds this weekend, being like, gosh, this is so hard. When's anybody going to look out for me? I mean, come on. That is so embarrassing. But they know no shame. And here is Prince Harry. Here's an excerpt from the 60 Minutes interview accusing the royal family of leaking stories to smear him and Meghan. Uh, Do we have any facts to support them doing it? No, he just says it. Feel bad for me, everybody. I'm so rich. I'm using people as furniture. Not even real couches. I just sit on them. I've hired a Guatemalan family. Just I sit on them. They plank. I sit on them. But feel bad for me because I just got off my private jet and I didn't like the limo driver's attitude on my way to this interview. I am a victim, I tell you. Here it is, clip 22. Every single time I've tried to do it privately, there have been briefings and leakings and planting of stories against me and my wife. 
you know, the family motto is never complain, never explain, but it's just a motto. And it doesn't really hold... There's a lot of complaining and a lot of explaining. Endless. Private being done in through leaks. Through leaks. They will feed or have a conversation with the correspondent. And that correspondent will literally be spoon-fed information and write the story. And then at the bottom of it, they will say that they've reached out to Buckingham Palace for comment. Mm. But the whole story is Buckingham Palace commenting. So when we're being told for the last six years, we can't put a statement out to protect you, but you do it for other members of the family, there becomes a point when silence is betrayal. That was embarrassing. So what does he say then? Oh, you don't do it for... Me, but you do it for Will. And what is he really saying? Every single time they get on your television, please give us money. That's all they're ever saying. Ah, the Royals, they're racist. Please give us money. Did they give us any proof that they're, no. Oh, you don't understand. You move to America. We don't feel safe. Please give us money. Oh, you don't know. We want our privacy. So we're launching a podcast, a Netflix documentary, and we're both putting out a tell-all book. Please give us money. And oddly enough, some people do. Pay up, suckers. That's exactly what you are. There is no greater con in our lifetime than the currency of victimhood. Because everybody getting rich off being a victim is already rich before they even went out and did so. Every single one of these people. Like, oh, it's so hard. Michelle Obama. Oh, it's, uh, I felt invisible as a black woman. Really? You're telling me your staff of personal assistants, they just walk into you all the time, they can't even see you, and your two coastal mansions totaling more than $100 million in value between them? Is life really that hard? It's, I'm amazed because we're really living in the death of shame where we started to celebrate. This was a post-Me Too thing. Okay, the Me Too movement was very necessary. There were a lot of old-school dirtbags who had been grandfathered into a way of showbiz that allowed dirtbag stuff to happen. And it allowed people, or at least encouraged people, to turn a blind eye towards it because they went along to get along. But the Me Too era had to happen because it got a lot of scummy people out of harm's way. But one of the things we began celebrating was vulnerability. Hey, saying you experienced a trauma. So in the beginning of the Me Too movement, there are a lot of women who were bravely coming forward at the expense of their careers in some instances, if they felt they were going to be blacklisted or shunned or shut down, they were bravely coming forward to disclose a real and true trauma that deserved to see the light of day. But because they were getting so many accolades for doing so and they were getting celebrated in such a manner, it encouraged a lot of shameless people to say, hey, I'd like to be a victim too. What the hell is the world? That's exactly what's going on here, because now we're in a post-Me Too world where we're not talking about things as egregious as sexual assault. We're talking about things as egregious as, well, my family doesn't like my wife, so can you guys give us a pile of money? We're going to move to America and start a media empire so we can just have our privacy. They're crazy. They're not crazy. They're dirtbags. Victimhood has become like a sexual turn-on in liberal circles. I love it when you talk dirty. But that's what it is. They celebrate this sort of thing. There are people that flock to them because they go, oh, they have it hard. You don't understand. 
when they were getting on the private plane and flying from Oprah's mansion to Gail's mansion to their mansion. Do you know how stressful it can be to just be in a Cadillac Escalade and get chauffeured right up to the plane? You don't even get the joy of going through TSA or having your luggage lost or waiting in those security lines. No, it's so efficient and easy. Oh, it must. I really I feel for them. A lot of people buy this crap because it's a branding exercise. Victimhood is cool. And claiming you support the victim is also a cool brand in a lot of liberal circles because you're demonstrating empathy. Hey, I care for these people. I'm standing up for the oppressed. And they're conning you because they're not oppressed. No one is oppressed. You live in America. It's the most tolerant and inclusive society the world has ever known. There has never been a, a more prosperous time, a safer time, a more inclusive time to be anything in America. Anything on earth in America. If you're black, if you're gay, if you're bi, if you're trans, if you're Asian, if you're Latino, if you're Muslim, whatever you happen to be, there is not a single class of people you can hold on to a job for hating. If you want to get a job at any company in America, you post on social media, I hate these people. Okay, you're going to get doxxed within an hour. You're going to get fired. Okay, mainstream racism and bigotry is not tolerated in America, nor, nor is it supported in the shadows. Okay, I don't doubt there's 1% of our country that are jackasses, five guys hanging out in the shed that are racist. I don't doubt it's out there. But the vast, 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 vast majority of the population is so far past it. Why? Because we live in a fully integrated society, not just in the workplace, not just in the entertainment sphere, but also, okay, on social media and on the Internet where we cross-pollinate with each other's cultures constantly. Racism is a byproduct of ignorance. You hate things because you don't understand them. You fear them because you don't understand them. What we've ultimately come to figure out since integrating society is that we're all the same people. All we want to do is make a little money, have a couple of laughs, eat a couple of good meals, watch a few movies, you know, keep our families safe, and maybe when the kids go to bed, get a little something-something in the bedroom. Oh, yes, I've read about that in the Bible. I'm telling you because I care. It's all the same. And these jackasses that are championing victimhood are not doing so because they care about oppression or victimhood. It's because they care about getting rich off gullible people that will support this con. You're all a bunch of grifters. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. First episode of 2023 here on Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. And they have stacked the deck. I think they were concerned going into the New Year's Eve break. I was, of course, down in Nashville. Uh, hosting Fox's All-American New Year, doing live stand-up comedy, hosting the pre-show and reading tweets on the air and interviewing revelers. I think they were concerned that I was going to come back in bad shape, that I was going to come back still in party mode after the broadcast. And uh, they stack the deck to make this show look more credible 
than I guess they anticipated it sounding. Bill Hemmer's going to be here. He's the co-host of America's Newsroom. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, he was a congressman in the great state of Oklahoma. He has since won a seat in the Senate. He will be joining us for the first time as a senator today. Uh, We will also be hearing from retired NYPD Lieutenant Paul Morrow, who has been out in Idaho covering uh, the murder mystery surrounding the death of four students out there in Moscow, Idaho. We now, of course, have a suspect, a dirtbag, who will hopefully die in prison or maybe at the site of a lethal injection. And, of course, Emily Campagno, the co-host of Outnumbered, a Fox News legal mastermind in her own right, will also be joining us in this program. 888-788-788. 9910 if you want to add your name to the guest list. But we begin really quickly with two updates. Uh, The first round of voting to determine a new House speaker in the Republican Party has failed to confirm Kevin McCarthy as speaker. It does not uh, appear to have the clear path to a majority he would need with seven people already dissenting against him. So there'll be another round. There'll be some horse trading. Somebody will make a couple of concessions. And if I had to guess on the third vote, maybe the fourth vote, he'll probably come out on top and he'll have the House speakership he so craves. Uh, In the meantime, we also owe you an update on the fate of 24-year-old Buffalo Bills defensive back DeMar Hamlin, uh, who sadly suffered a cardiac arrest on the field last night against the Cincinnati Bengals of course, received nine minutes of CPR on the field before being put into an ambulance, only to be removed and treated a second time. Uh, We were told late last night that Hamlin, according to the Bills, uh, he suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in the game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field, and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He is currently sedated and listed in critical condition. Uh, So as of now... The only thing we really have to offer is just more prayers, more good vibes going in the direction of this young player who, by all accounts, was an incredible guy. Uh, His, you know, if you were looking for a a bright spot in any of this, uh, there's certainly none pertaining to what he and his family are going through. Uh, But the children's toy drive charity that he initially began in a quest to raise twenty five hundred dollars has since the incident broke last night raised over $3.9 million for his charity, the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive. And yes, I do applaud something like that. This is the power of sport to bring people together. It's one of the things that made sports great for most of our lifetimes. I can tell you as someone who was in Yankee Stadium in the aftermath of September 11th, I never had a prouder moment uh, as an American Then that moment when George Bush took the mound and threw out perfect first pitch before game three of the 2001 World Series, because in that moment, we were not Republicans. We were not Democrats. We were Americans. We were Americans united in our grief, united in our quest to restore some normalcy in our lives in the aftermath of the most horrific terror attack on our soil in history, which, of course, occurred less than a year after, at the time, the most contentious election in modern history, which was the Bush-Gore election in Florida with the hanging chads. But it was a different time 
time back then in that we could, in fact, get together and play team ball. As heartbreaking as last night's incident was and continues to be, it was nice to see some people just coming together and rallying on behalf of this guy because that's what the power of sport is supposed to represent in our lives, a forum where we can put aside political differences and just go out and see be Americans. That's the whole point. Sometimes you just got to be an American. Sometimes, to put it in sports terms, you got to realize that we're just teammates. We are teammates. Like, you could be a Democrat. I could be a Republican. It doesn't matter. We're still getting dressed in the same locker room playing for the same American team. And that's something that's lost on so many people in this day and age where we really don't have common culture, where we don't have common cause the way we used to. A good example of that would be COVID. Okay, when COVID hit our shores, okay, the party in power began fighting COVID. The party out of power began fighting them. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Don't ever forget that, okay? I don't run the Donald Trump Radio Defense Fund, but in January of 2020, when he put in a travel ban from China, everybody said, oh, it's racist and xenophobic. How dare you? And what are they doing right now as cases spiral in China? They're contemplating a travel ban from China. Democrats are so full of crap. Because oftentimes in our modern politic, it's more important to fight the other party than it is to fight the common enemy. The border's a good example. The border's the front door of our house. Doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, fentanyl has become the leading cause of adult death in this country. When fentanyl gets into your system, it doesn't go, who'd you vote for? It just kills you. Okay, but understand, rather than uniting around the the common enemy of an unsecured border, of China smuggling fentanyl into our country through drug cartels that are exploiting our border, we're fighting each other. Oh, Republicans want to secure the border. That's racist. What are you what are you talking about? But that's where we are in our politics. That's how we were with COVID. That's how we were with this. So if there's a short-term silver lining in this struggle that DeMar Hamlin is going through, it's the fact that at least some Americans have been able to put their political differences aside. Is it all of them? No. There's a lot. There is a lot. And believe me, I'm taking heat for it on Twitter. There's a lot of people on the right that are running out and saying this was the vaccine. We know it was the vaccine. We don't have any data to support what caused this right now. So if you're here in the aftermath of a tragedy pushing your political narrative, okay, you're no better than the people on the left who we always scream at for yelling about gun control after a shooting. Gun control, as we rightly point out, demonizes law-abiding citizens. It doesn't affect criminals because the law, the crime they just committed was illegal. They don't respect the law. The good people do. So gun control, that's really the most oversimplified version of the argument I can make for you, is that gun control only affects the people that are going to follow whatever laws you pass. Okay, it's not going to affect the criminals. Okay, and when we get mad at Democrats for injecting their agenda into someone else's trauma, okay, we are right to do so. But when we turn around in the aftermath of something like this where a guy is fighting for his life, okay, we're no better than them if we want to use this as an opportunity to soapbox our anti-vax agenda. So if there's anything I can offer you in the way of an update, it's that we've learned nothing beyond the fact that he suffered a cardiac arrest, his heartbeat was restored, he is still remained in critical condition. Uh, he is being uh, tended to by some of the top staff and physicians we have in this country out at UC Medical Center, and we will continue to monitor the situation and we will continue to pray because that's all you should be doing in a time like this. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. 
It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Buy your own damn fries. Well, if the band sounds fired up, it's because they are. Joining us now on the program, not only the co-host of America's Newsroom, Pound for Pound, one of the best holiday DJs you're going to get your hands on wow. anywhere in media. Wow. Uh, the great Bill Hemmer joining us back in studio. Hey, man. How are you, brother? Happy New Year to you. Of course. I just want you to get credit for this on the air. Okay. All right. Hit me. I had uh, a very, by my standards, a very responsible month of December, knowing I was going to be following your illustrious footsteps and co-hosting a New Year's Eve uh-huh. down in Nashville. Uh-huh. I actually played really good ball in December. I ate pretty well. I, my alcohol intake, comparative to a normal December, uh-huh. I mean, off a cliff low. I uh-huh. mean, fell off a cliff, probably 90% lower. Uh, one of the few drinks I had over the holidays, just as, I mean, at the second I poured it, you talk about serendipitous timing. The second I pour my Michter's whiskey, small batch rye, I get a text from Bill Hemmer with a link to the Drummer Boy song uh, oh. that you had been recommending all December, mm, yes. a direct link that immediately, before I even get my first sip, goes right onto the Bose speakers, the S1 Pros. They're just absolute bazookas. Uh-huh. And away I go with your song recommendation and my one mixtures, one of the only mix I had on Christmas wow. Eve. And you nailed it. Really? At you that time? You just stuck the landing. Oh, man. You know in the Olympics when a girl does like a quadruple backflip and hits the ground just right and the uh, arms go up yeah. in the air? Just bang on the ground. <laughs> and you could see the dust flying off your hands from the, the powder. <laughs> and there I powdered my hands and drank a mixture uh, to the little drummer boy. Wow. So amen to that, Hammer. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Fortuitous timing for sure. I mean. Keep, but but keep going, please. Because we have clearly we've synced up from all the TV and radio we did in 2022. But then can we just – we should also acknowledge that in return I repaid the gesture with a solid 50-second video link to the great Elvis Presley. You did. 68 comeback special. Yes, you did. Singing a version of Santa Claus is back in town where he doesn't even know the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the one I sent you, though mm-hmm. – um, it, it's probably not typical, I don't yes. think, right? No, but it, on, a, on a set of S1, first of all, anything sounds good on a set of S1 pros. Yes, but it's by the Harry Simeon Choir. Mm. Yeah. And away and, we went. And if you played that, yep. I mean, it's just... Because you want you know what happens to And you got to understand, like, my Aunt Fran is old school. Uh-huh. So she's heard every little drummer she boy. Oh, of course. It was a big deal. Oh, man, I am... Aunt, is this a true story? Yeah, it is. It's at my mom's house. This is a big deal. This is Christmas I Eve. honored. <laughs> Come on, Hammer. After all the crappy news we've been talking that's about today, I mean. keep Hammer, going. Hammer, that's what I'm saying. So I get this serendipitously timed moment where we drop on the drummer boy. My Aunt Fran is actually stumped and knows every Christmas song, uh-huh. you know, as devout Catholic as they come, and uh, is all hopped up on this. So we wound up getting through three renditions of it in a row, which, you know, for a Christmas song is a lot of repetition. Wait, wait, you hit Rewind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, oh. you know, it's digital, so you're just hitting an arrow. Right. <laughs> Remember Rewind? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> and then it ate the cassette and spit yeah. it out. It sounded like, by the third time, it was the chipmunks. Yeah. Everybody was pissed. <laughs> yeah, you actually ruined Christmas is what I'm trying to say. Now I need a new cassette hammer. I kid. 
but yeah, you had a big impact on the Christmas. So, so Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. It was Thank nice you. to be back on the telly Thank today. You, brother. We came back to a heavier news day than I think anybody anticipated. I was watching your I Bengals agree. last night. I feel like this is one of those moments that's a reminder, first and foremost, to put a silver lining to a very difficult situation for all of us, that the power of sports to unite us does still remain, okay? Mm-hmm. As, as we sit here and pray and root for DeMar Hamlin, you are encouraged to see that that toy drive he started is now above $4 million bucks. Yeah, probably going to probably going to 40 million. Yeah, let's hope it gets there and you know, let's hope he gets better. But the lack of updates in this moment right now, it leaves me in a position where I can only just offer them, you know, hope and prayer. Um, I don't believe this is a there there's any other side. You know what I mean? Last night, what I noticed in the aftermath is people were hopping on the NFL. They're like, why did you wait so long to cancel it? I think that's the byproduct of when you're watching a situation as horrific as this. We all feel so helpless that I think a lot of people want to gravitate towards something they think they're doing on behalf of the victim. Because the NFL, for better or for worse, has some very heavy financial implications, you know, competitive implications, playoff implications that whether we like it or not are being grappled with. And we don't want to talk about it in this moment. But I think that's where the initial lash out came from. Um, And I think to build on that right now, there is speculation online that you and I aren't going to touch over what might have caused this. But the truth is, we don't know. Mm -hmm. The only thing we know is we want them to get better. Yeah, there's so much to say about this, Jimmy. I'm not quite sure where to begin Mm -hmm. uh, other than home. And Cincinnati is my home. Yep. And, um, wow, you had two teams that believe they both can win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that's their business. Yep. And they believe that they can reach the pinnacle of their business. Yep. So they come into this matchup. And, you know, the league, to its credit, six months ago when they put out the schedule, they, they, they saw these two teams and said, oh, yeah, let's do this mm-hmm. right around New Year's. Yeah. And wait till you see the television audience on a Monday night. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a pot of gold for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why I think the cancellation really speaks to the grave nature of what we yeah, saw. Yeah, but I, I wasn't quite sure what was happening, and now we can understand. A guy was given CPR mm-hmm. on the field. Um, they may have tried to jolt his heart based on some of the reports. But you had, you had 66,000 people watching this. Yeah. And teammates. Mm-hmm. And opponents mm-hmm. on the field. Yeah. Um, from the text messages I've received from family and friends, they were all in shock watching this. Yeah. So you you can see where the players are coming from and the coaches as well. I think they made the right call and call in the game. I couldn't really understand why ESPN wasn't giving us a better shot of the field. I didn't get it, mm-hmm. but now I do. You do, yeah. Um, I wasn't quite sure why they were so distant in their observations of it, but not. I get it now because they weren't sure if this guy was going to live or yeah. die, and that, that's just the truth, I think. I know. Um, um, and then there are questions that we'll get into later in the week about the whole business aspect of the NFL. Let's, let's be honest. There are billions and billions of dollars on the line, yep. and eventually they're going to have to figure out this schedule. Mm-hmm. If this were the um, – Arizona Cardinals playing the yeah, Denver two Broncos. Teams, yes. The Texans are on the right, field. Right, but, yeah. but, but not. We're talking about all pro players. Yeah, We're talking about guys who someday could be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. They're, they're at the peak of their careers, and they're going to have to figure out, not at the beginning of a season, but at mm-hmm. the end of the season where the schedule gets compressed, yeah. about how to get all these games in. Mm-hmm. Then the question becomes, what do you do? Do you give them a loss, a win, or a tie? Yeah. And who is that fair to? Yeah. 
the other teams playing? I don't think so. There is a window in the Super Bowl. You have an extra week, and maybe there's something that can be worked out eventually there. Or maybe you slide the whole thing in Arizona to the following week in February. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there are any very – I don't think there are easy answers here. Yeah, there's here. no easy but answers. I will say one thing in the short term, though. Mm-hmm. I know this hospital very well, mm-hmm. and I know the doctors, University Hospital. If they had something – positive to say mm-hmm. i think we would have heard it by now mm-hmm. I, I hate to say it i'm yeah. not a doctor i'm just mm-hmm. reading from the outside yeah but i think they would have been before a camera saying this is what we're doing right now yeah. to this patient yeah that's i think that's what's concerning to so many people bill hemmer is in studio uh kicking off the new year uh we with uh you know much heavier news day than any of us had anticipated really quickly i will just pivot though because there yes, is sir. a lighter story we did not Please. get to on america's newsroom oh, 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 oh. rolling stone putting out a list of <laughs> the top 200 singers yeah. okay celine dion does not make it yeah. now i laughed at this because they said we just want to be clear it was best singer not who has the best voice <laughs> but singing his voice it's like if yeah. we're putting out a list of the best sprinters right, right oh it's not who's the fastest though yeah. i'm like what do you mean <laughs> but let's really quick can i ask you this because i have a theory I think Celine Dion is the Snuggie of singers. And what I mean by that is nobody admits to owning a Snuggie, but it's like a $4 billion company. (laughs) So is she not just the Snuggie of singers that she doesn't have the street cred? I don't think she gives a damn about this No, no, no. Oh, to be clear, her heart will go on. To put it in Titanic (laughs) terms, she's going to be fine. But I think it was a scam. But I only wanted to bring up really quick, Mike Uh Wright was not with Celine Dion. It was with Elvis being number 17. Wow. How is he not top five? Woo, yeah, correct. They put out these lists to get talked about. You know know how this is done. No doubt. But Elvis being 17, John Lennon was 10. He should lose 10 points just because of Yoko's songs, no? Yeah, you know, you're right about that. Thank you. 17 is a slap in the face. To the king. Elvis Aaron would be what, ticked upset. off. Hey, what Hammer is saying, Rolling Stone, is you better reconsider baby. That's yeah. what he's saying. Because uh-huh. we don't have to have this. Not That's in 2023, right. Hammer. If we're going to bring the country together, what better to rally around than the Amen. king? Amen. Happy New Year, the brother. The king of rock and roll. Play Bill Hammer, the king of cable news. Puts on the crown, rides back out of the studio on the elephant. It's always a great Boom. look. Happy New Year, my man. Happy New Year. We'll do it again soon. More of this type of highfalutin radio yeah. chicanery when we come back right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And i got to be honest, folks, it is a big day for me personally. Uh, because the next time I am down at the Bricktown Comedy Club in Oklahoma City and I get in a bind where I'm hanging out up in Tulsa with KRMG, Levi May, and the crew, and I'm in a pickle, I can now say I know a senator from the great state of Oklahoma joining us now for the first time since making the change from Congress uh, to the Senate himself is Oklahoma Senator. I can't even get the words out. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen is here. Hey, man. What's up, Jimmy? How you doing? Congratulations, so I have to know. Um, are you uh, are you pretentiously like correcting your family yet? Like when your kids say "Dad," do you go "Um, it's Senator Mullen"? No, I'm making call me your honor. <laughs> Good. Dad, can we have pancakes? It's your honor. Can we have pancakes? Yeah. Oh, I love yeah, it, man. I got a I got a I got a uh, an honorary doctorate from a from a college in Oklahoma from Bay Cone. and um, when I came home, I uh, made my wife refer to me as Doctor. <laughs> and uh, I might have had a little bit more fun with that one, but I'll stop there. Good for you. <laughs> hey, there it is. Oh, good for you, man. Well, that's amazing. I would imagine you're riding really high. Um, you yeah. know, 
a lot of the things we've talked about in your journey from the House to the Senate really do begin and end with your own personal biography, which is something with the first time you came on the show, we talked about the fact that you were one of the very few business owners, you know, out there in Washington who ran and operated his own business. Uh, And now, of course, you take that background over to the Senate. Do you feel you are uniquely prepared uh, to prioritize the needs of the American people in ways that your colleagues might not be? Well, I think um, I think when you look at the, the term citizen legislator, which is what our founding fathers wanted to make sure we had serving in the House, they never envisioned uh, – I say the House, Congress, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, but they never envisioned – the um, uh, the the career politicians they never they never envisioned that mindset. Does it take institutional knowledge? Yes, but they wanted they never believed that there would be people that would actually make a living just serving in in elected offices. And so when we bring a unique perspective like we do, I think we we're, we are uniquely positioned to to truly do what our founding fathers wanted us to do: is represent our backyard, be a uh, be a representative, be it in the House or in the Senate, as a as a true citizen legislator. And I I don't think anybody has a better resume for that than me. No, I would agree. Uh, we're talking to Senator Mark Wayne Mullen uh, from the great state of Oklahoma. And, you know, it's been one of the things that's actually made you easy to talk to over the course of all of these months uh, is not just that you'll tolerate my ridiculousness, but no, it's that we're just regular people. And, you know, that's, I think, something that's really is lost on Washington in this day and age is that the fight for power has gotten so intense that oftentimes the fight for a better America takes a back seat. You know, but when you go. Well, that's what career politicians yeah. are. Yeah. No, I, well, I mean, because I, yeah. if you're a career politician, how do you advance your career, Jimmy? Yep. The only way you advance your career is that you have to find leadership positions. Mm-hmm. And, and when you do that, you're willing to step on anybody to get to that point. And, it's, and, you're, and when you're a career politician, you're never looking towards the future. You're looking just towards the next election, which the next election is based on each vote. Mm-hmm. So that means you're, going to, you're never going to have a foundation because your identity is whatever your title is. Because you didn't have an identity, you never had a title before you got here, mm-hmm. and you're just going to blow with the wind. And when you just blow with the wind, you can't have a clear vision, a clear direction where you need to go. If you had a CEO of a company that was always going back and forth and was blowing with the wind as today's temperature changes, you would never be able to have a successful company. It's going to be impossible for someone like that to be a leader. But in, in, in the halls of Congress, we have a lot of those individuals. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to know that in a lot of ways Congress can function like a high school where there's a lot of people that just want to be liked by the seniors, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre. Funny. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I need you to know this because I got on fine with the seniors as a freshman, but one of the reasons I was the dominant senior in my class is that I kind of ran my own race all the way up the ladder. And, you know, you've kind of done that to your credit. Don't change that, Mullen. We're counting on you, man. We're counting on you. No, sir. Well, let me well, throw my, my daughter. My mm-hmm. daughter's last night said their job was to keep me humble. <laughs> <laughs> that was my twelve-year-old twins. Wow. Um, but you know, uh, for us, we're rooted in who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the worst thing that can ever happen to me is she put a title on my headstone. Yeah. Uh, being Mark Wayne is who I enjoy to be. That's what my mom named me after, and I was named after two good uncles. Uh, but being a dad is more important to me than anything and being a good husband which i don't always live up to that but i try yeah. uh is is something that i take a lot of pride in yeah no it's and a so, it's a long season 
Yeah, it's a, yeah. It, it's, I tell my wife, it's a long season. Nobody goes undefeated in the husband game. But we're, you know, <laughs> we're playing good ball. We're trying to limit the mistakes. But I agree. I want to touch on that really quick because, like, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a similar position where, you know, here at Fox, like, this radio show's kind of exploded. It started on about 27 stations. It's on about 130. And I'm all over the TV every day, and I just hosted New Year's Eve. But the most exciting part of the weekend really was just going home and hanging out with Jetty and Lincoln. And, you know, we watched a little football and did whatever Absolutely. the hell we do. But, uh, if you're the kind of guy that this lifestyle really connects with, you are uniquely suited to serve. And the reason I make this point is because as the head of a household, you've learned to put your own instincts and own needs second to that of the team you're raising and providing for. And that's the mindset. I think small business is a great background, but I really do think parenting, you know, and specifically committed parenting is probably the best attribute to have in Congress if you have that in you well if you if you want to pick up your biggest failures watch how your kids behave that's true uh because they're going to mimic you if you have certain words you say Mm -hmm. your kids are going to repeat those words oh man if you have if you have certain behaviors habits if you have a temper your kids are going to going to mimic those and i've had to learn from that man i mean it's humbling but i tell people i've never fired anybody for making a mistake i fire you when you can't admit admit you made a mistake and 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 you're right being a parent is is a is a true humbling experience because you can't put what you want in front of in front of everybody else because if you do you're going to raise kids that are selfish. That's a great and I'm not saying I'm we're raising the great, greatest kids, but I will say I think my kids are wonderful kids. And their mom, who I give them credit because I'm honestly gone all the time, has done a great job with them. But going back to your hosting the New Year's New Year's <laughs> Eve event, oh, no. Jimmy, I really wanted to watch that and I tried, but I man, I got stuck on that Georgia. Ohio State game and I couldn't turn over, so I never even watched a minute of it. But I was going to. I could intention. Well, I will tell you this: a lot of you know, my wife is from Ohio. She's a you know, I'm married into a big Buckeye family, so a lot of them were following suit. But I think having it to do over, they wish they would have watched New Year's Eve instead. <laughs> oh, I feel so sorry for that kicker. Oh, I mean, I, I watched that and I was like, oh, there's nothing. Nothing uh, more than the kicker honestly has an opportunity to actually be uh, liked on the team. Uh, <laughs> and then you, then you, then you shank a, a kick like that, and you're like, oh, okay, no, I saw the corner locker where no one comes in over and talks to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. And it was a – you're in a dome. They had made one from that distance earlier in the night. Just no excuse. Yeah. And if you want to laugh, what happened to me is they had a mechanical bull riding uh, competition as part of the New Year's Eve broadcast. So the cameraman who was assigned to me all night, he goes wherever you go. He had the game on his cell phone. He was watching the game on TV on his cell phone. So he had it set up for me on the phone. And I was sitting on the mechanical bull getting ready to shoot our segment, watching the game. And they came back from commercial while I was watching the game. They turned the bull on and threw me like 20 feet in the air. And I'm, I was on the bull <laughs> not even a second. It was hilarious. But that's – Well, first, you know – and my family all rodeos, and with mm-hmm. what we grew up doing, I grew up riding, riding bulls. In fact, I, I I didn't have to get braces because my front teeth are fake from it. But actually, <laughs> I had braces, and I got knocked out after I got my braces off. Oh, man. But, uh, I mean, so rodeo is a big deal for us. The mechanical bull mm-hmm. is just a good way to make sure that a guy stays sterile because <laughs> that is a that is a true form of nutcracker. <laughs>
It's so, dude, it's so true. So one of the guys, uh, Cole Hauser, he's a character on a show called Yellowstone. He plays Rip on Yellowstone. He, for one segment, showed, he was there, he showed me how to work the bull for Will Kane's segment. And he was like, you know, he's like, if you want to make him look good, you hit this button. He's like, if you want to, you know, get him off in five seconds, you hit this button. He's like, if you actually want to kill this man, you hit this button. And I was like, (laughs) wow, this is a lot of power. So uh, yeah. I, I, I played well, my, some defense. My uncle had a mechanical bull. He used to travel around to rodeos, and so a bunch of us cowboys. Later the night went, the the, the uh, especially when he was out of his house. Mm-hmm. The later the night went, the uh, the more brave we became. And I'm going to say I have been thrown. I think I've got that button that wanted to kill you before. Of course, <laughs> you don't know it. You think it's funny then. Yeah. <laughs> But but I didn't know it was a thing till I saw it. So that's like clearly what they had done to me. And I think it's now now that you know it's a thing. It is. It's hilarious. And it's the ultimate form of population control. You're right. You figured it all out. So yeah, yeah. when you get going in the Senate really quick, just give me this. OK, obviously, inflation's killing everybody and the borders a mess. But you are in Oklahoma where I just got back from. And I know nobody's happy about what the climate crazies are trying to do with energy production. I mean, is there a one, two and three or do you just, you know, you fight the war on multiple fronts in the Senate? What do you do now? Well, it's, it's stupid to discuss inflation in the economy if you don't have energy part of that conversation mm-hmm. because the, econ- the, the economy rides, lives, and dies on energy in Oklahoma and Texas and across the country because without reliable and affordable energy, you can't have a strong econ- economy that's affordable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist because the energy is the beginning of every product being made because you can't make any product without energy, mm-hmm. and you can't deliver a product without energy because it takes gasoline, diesel, or even electricity being produced by something that is usually a petroleum product to get that product to to the market. So it doesn't make any sense how you can discuss it without discussing that. In Oklahoma and Texas, we're the hub of that conversation. If you would just uh, approve the permits that we have for pipelines and for drilling in, in Oklahoma and Texas alone and allow us to get to those refineries where we're refining foreign products anyways that we're shipping in from the cartels in Saudi Arabia, we're still bringing in energy from Russia. Are you kidding me? Why are we still funding the war in Ukraine with buying their dirty oil? And now we're asking Venezuela. So we have the the refinery capacity to do it. Mm -hmm. If we just quit refining their products and allow our products to get to market, Texas and Oklahoma alone could resolve that issue. But they're not. Instead, they're talking about something that's absolutely not even feasible and going to zero emissions Mm -hmm. and 100 percent green energy. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't exist because nothing's 100 percent green. The batteries are dirtier than any oil will ever will ever, ever produce inside the United States. Yep. Nobody has that conversation. And it's, you know, number one, like you said, we're almost you know, creating more pollution in this quest to create less. But two, it's just the America last mentality of what we're doing. You know, they say like necessity is the mother of invention. Like we're going to wind up with a truly universal America first Congress at some point because we're going to have to. You know, we just don't want it to be that much more backed into the corner before we get there. So you got your work cut out for you, Your Honor. <laughs> Thanks. That's funny, Jimmy. Good work, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. And let me know when you're going to be in Oklahoma so we can make sure we meet up, all right? Oh, no, no. You'll, you'll definitely know now. It's like throwing around congressmen isn't really as helpful, but throwing around senator, dude, you'll have front row seats. Don't worry about nothing. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we'll kidding. be there. <laughs> Congrats, buddy. Happy New Year.
All right. Thanks, Jimmy. My Goodbye. man. There we go. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, the best of the best. Thrilled to have him in Congress. I will tell you this again. If I mentioned it during the interview. Some of us, not all of us, some of us are like married guys with kids that really are like cut out to think in a different way. Meaning like I'd, I'm never running for Congress, never running for Senate, never running for president. I couldn't pass the background check. I mean, I might be able to now con- considering how many dirtbags are in elected office. But the point is like from the day my kid was born, I was really taught. I don't taught. I don't, I don't know what it, I don't know what the right expression is. But I've really, from the day we took little Lincoln out of the packing peanuts, because that's what a newborn baby is. You take an an iMac out of a packing peanut, and you realize it's never downloaded a single solitary file. It's never surfed surfed the Internet. It's never done anything. So whatever it does do is a byproduct of your own either negligence or your own attentive nature. And from that moment forward, like, I have been calibrated to think in terms of, you know, putting their well-being ahead of mine. And it's actually a more rewarding way to live because the truth is, I'm living a better life now on a personal level anyway, meaning when this whole mission started, I was driving a taxi 84 hours a week and getting cut off and shot at. But by making them the cause instead of my own well-being, it ultimately got me to a place where my own well-being is pretty damn good in this moment, you know, you know, and uh, I think the mindset of the parent that is truly calibrated to live their life with a greater good in mind is what we need in Washington. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be a parent to service in in government. It just means you need to have that greater good concept. And talking to a guy like Mullen, uh, you know, on the air and off the air, and knowing that that's really the way the wind blows for the guy, and I relate to that. You know, I really, like last week, I was on about 15 TV shows, the highest rated shows in television, the five, Gutfeld, everything, you name it, you know? And then went down to Nashville and hosted New Year's Eve and did stand-up comedy in front of 10 million people. It's really exciting stuff. But I can tell you none of that cracked the top two. The top two were getting home and seeing Jenny and Lincoln, and that was it. And there's nothing to compete with that in my life, no matter how crazy and how good this gets. You know, I am calibrated to prioritize those other things. Maybe that helps me in broadcasting. It definitely helps guys like Mullen in the Senate, and it will certainly help you if we have more of those folks in mind. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Common sense from a not-so-sensible man. It's the compassion. It's the, it's the dignity. It's the wisdom. It's the, it's the horse sense of the guy that gets you. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Got a busy one coming up in the next hour. Emily Campagna, the co-host of Outnumbered, is going to be here, as well as retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow, who will get us an update on this dirtbag who appears to be, he is in police custody and appears to be guilty. Uh, Of course, he is innocent until proven so, but he appears to be guilty in the murder of four college students out in Idaho. Uh, A heavy story uh, that Paul has been front and center and covering here with Lawrence Jones on the Fox News Channel. They are heading back out to Idaho uh, for coverage later this week. The Idaho police have a probable cause warrant, and when that gets, or affidavit, probable cause affidavit, and when that gets released, we will know more about what led to the actual capture of this suspect. We also know there is body cam footage coming out from the Indiana police 
because this guy was apparently stopped for traffic infractions two times with his father in the car during his journey from Idaho back to the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre area in Pennsylvania, where he was ultimately apprehended. And there is, of course, a 4.30 p.m. press conference today scheduled by the Pennsylvania police, where we hope to have more details as they pertain to the capture of this dirtbag. So we'll get into all of that with fact uh, in the next hour. Uh, We will also get into a grown-up discussion from the climate crazies uh, who took center stage at 60 Minutes over the weekend uh, to tell us with a straight face that we're all about to die. You don't have a clue. They have no clue. They have no data. But the guy they trotted out, okay, to make these claims, the gentleman who wrote the population bomb book in the late 60s, who told us we were all going to freeze to death in the early 70s, then told us we were all going to melt in the early 80s, now tells us we're all going to die any minute now because of climate change. You suck, you jackass. A lot of people feel that way. Uh, We have a word for those people. They're called intelligent because these people that are selling you climate hysteria are doing nothing but making money. They're not changing their lifestyles. They're not flying coach. They're not curbing their emissions. They're just getting out there, telling you the end is near, and passing around the collection plate yet again. Please give us money. That's all climate change is. We will prove it when we come back right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, well, well. Did you look who showed up to work right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up today. Not only is it our first day back from the New Year's break, but it is a historic first day of broadcasting on the legendary KSUE out in Susanville, California, Northeast California's talk and sports 1240 KSUE. It is a high honor to be uh, gracing your airwaves for the first time in the history of this show. And uh, we are going to be celebrating it throughout this hour, not only with a guest appearance from Emily Campagno, who is a superstar co-host of Outnumbered and a Fox News contributor and a close personal friend of the Fela family, my co-host on New Year's Eve, to be specific. Uh, We will also hang out with retired NYPD Inspector Paul Morrow, and we will, of course, take your calls, texts, tweets, and carrier pigeons, even smoke signals, if Elizabeth Warren happens to be listening. Uh, 888-788-9910 as we get underway. You know the rules on this show, they never change, not despite the year, the day of the week, the location of the show, new stations, old stations. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. All we ask is that you don't be a That is all. We've got no shortage of those. Uh, One of them appeared last night on 60 Minutes. Let me jump in and talk to you about this really quick. Uh, Climate change, climate change, are you with me? Climate change is a complete and total scam. I admire your honesty. Okay, I say that because everybody yelling at you about climate change is getting rich, but they're not adhering to any, any, any of the lifestyle modifications that they're telling you are going to get us out of this. Not even close. Not even one of them. 
Okay. Is John Kerry the climate czar? Says we're all going to die in a half hour. Getting off that private jet anytime soon? The answer would be no. How about a guy like Joe Biden who's reconfiguring our entire economy? Yet rather than signing that ridiculous $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill when he was in Washington over the break, had it flown on a jumbo jet down to his vacation spot. Is that acting climate conscious? The answer would be no. How about a guy like Pete Buttigieg? Do you remember Pete Buttigieg when he got caught taking an SUV two blocks from his office and then getting out to ride the bicycle to work to make it look like he does it every day? Pete Buttigieg is pathetic. He really is. But the point is they're selling you on a lifestyle modification that they themselves have no intention of following. This is politics as usual. And this is the politics of money. Pay up, suckers. That's all it is. Climate change makes the Democrats more money than the good Lord himself. And one of the patron saints of climate change grifts is Paul Ehrlich, who was on 60 Minutes over the weekend, telling us that humanity is not sustainable the way we're doing it now. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. And the reason we say sell crazy is, and this is the grift of climate change, okay? Nobody tunes in for moderation anymore. That's what's so impressive about the growth of this show is I'm honest with you. I don't just shill for one political party no matter what and say the other side's going to get us killed and our democracy. I don't do any of the crap. I'm not a sensationalist. I'm not a shock jock. The only thing shocking about me is how much I eat on the weekends. That's it. This is absolutely gross. Maybe so. Okay, but I'm not on the air saying, like, provocative stuff just to get some attention from the rest of the media. I'm just a talk show host, man. These are my ideas. I'd love to hear yours. That's how the show works, and I'm okay at it, okay? But the point being is that there are a lot of people out there like Paul Ehrlich, okay? There are a lot of people out there that understand if they want to make money, if they want people to donate, they can't say, well, things are changing. What they have to say is, we're all going to die. Save yourselves. Run for your lives. That's what they're doing. Okay, and that's what these predictions stem from. A guy like Paul Ehrlich, who wanted to get relevant in the late 60s. So what did he tell us? Well, the population boom, we're all going to die in the next 10 years. All right, so it didn't pan out. But he came back in the 70s. And he's like, no, no, you understand. It's, it's going to freeze. We're going to have an ice age. We're all going to die. All right, so that didn't happen. Then he was like, no, no, we're not going to freeze. It turns out it's so hot. We're all going to. But you understand, nobody tunes in for moderation. And they no one donates for moderation. Climate change is the biggest revenue generator in the history of left-wing politics. So every single time you hear that the world is going to end, the next thing you hear is the wicker collection basket going around the church. Please give us money. That's all this is. Here is Paul Ehrlich, who has also already made plenty of that money off best-selling books about how we're all going to die, then best-selling books about how we're all going to freeze, and best-selling books about how we're going to melt, telling 60 Minutes humanity is not sustainable. Get some facts and come back and see me. No, we have facts. And you know what the facts are? The people telling you this are full of Clip 23. Too many people, too much consumption, and growth mania. At the age of 90, 
Biologist Paul Ehrlich may have lived long enough to see some of his dire prophecies come true. You seem to be saying that humanity is not sustainable. No, humanity is not sustainable. To maintain uh, our lifestyle, yours and mine, basically for the entire planet, you'd need five more Earths. Not clear where they're going to come from. Just in terms of the resources that would be required? Resources that would be required, um, the systems that support our lives, which of course are the biodiversity uh, that we're wiping out. Uh, humanity is very busily sitting on a limb that we're sawing off. In my opinion, that sucked. That's pitiful. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to perform like that. Pitiful. I mean, really think about this, okay? He tells you that it's not sustainable. We're losing the biodiversity. We'd need five Earths. We'd need five Earths to make any of this current population sustainable. You must have got manure for your brains. I mean, really think about that. And understand where it's coming from. And understand what's left of the media and the actual interest and credibility in this day and age. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. And I say it's dead and buried. Why? Because if you did a cursory look at this guy's body of work, let me give you a little something something. Give you a little sugar. You know Cole Hauser. He plays Rip on the show Yellowstone. Well, Saturday night, we were hosting New Year's Eve down live in Nashville. I was on TV. And when it was my turn to get on the mechanical bull, he admitted to me off the air that he gave my bull a little more sugar to get me off there quicker. That's just how white folks will do you. Well, let me give you a little sugar here, okay, on Ehrlich and his actual record, okay? His 1968 book, Population Bomb, The Population Bomb, okay, in 1968, he said... Society as we know it was no longer sustainable because of high population and predicted in 1968 widespread famine and the overall end of civilization within the next decade. Not even kind of close. That was 1968. We're going to starve to death and we're all going to be dead within 10 years. Years. That was the prediction that he made. You blockhead! But perhaps in this instance, the blockhead is whatever lazy producer at, C- at CBS trotted this guy back out, okay? He is also a guy that in 68 said that heat from greenhouse gases would melt the polar ice and humanity would overwhelm the wild. Today, humans have taken over 70% of the planet's land, 70% of the fresh water. Uh, and he was wrong in the past repeatedly, okay? We're all going to die. We're all going to starve. We're all going to freeze. We're all going to melt. That's the claim from this dude, okay? Come on. Don't bullshit me. But that's exactly what he does because it pays money. Now, why does CBS air stuff like this knowing the guy's 0 for 3 on end-of-the-world predictions, okay? What's the difference between him and an apocalyptic preacher that says, we're all going to die February 7th. Please give me all your money. I'll hold it to make sure you get into heaven. What is the difference between him and the apocalyptic preacher? Are you ready for it? It's very slight. The apocalyptic preacher at least has the decency to not go back on TV for a little while after he gets over on you.
Okay, a guy like this goes right back on TV. Why? Because there's a lot of cash to be made in doing so. Correct the mundo. Okay, and CBS trots him out there. Why? They know he lied the last three times. They know he was wrong the last three times. But they also know climate change is a wild force of its own nature within Democratic liberal elite politics. They make a ton of money off of it. And it's the biggest part of their legislative agenda. So CBS greenlights all this gloom and doom knowing it's not true. Why? Because they think it'll help the Democratic platform. The media is a bunch of losers. But this is where they're uh, uh, a threat, a harm harm, a problem for people, regardless of what political party you ascribe to, okay? The Democrats right now are destroying the American economy. They're destroying our domestic energy policy in the name of climate change, and they don't understand the sectors of our economy they're legislating in doing so. Okay, understand, I've said this before on the show, but just to get everybody up to speed, right now we have cut domestic energy production because we said, well, we're going to lead the way in curbing emissions and we want to lead by example in America. But you know what we do? We don't cut our consumption or our dependence on fossil fuels. Do you want to know why we don't cut our consumption or our dependence on fossil fuels? Because we can't. Whatever room you're in right now, whatever vehicle you're in, Okay, whatever prison cell you're in, wherever you happen to be. Okay, you're listening to this show. You're probably spending your afternoon in a daytime strip club. Hubba hubba. But the point is, wherever you're listening. Okay, when you look around, 97 percent of the products in your eyesight. Okay, it's a couch. It's a shoe. It's a table. It's a window. It's a glass. It's a bottle of water. Whatever you're looking at, whatever you're looking at. It was made with fossil fuels. Bingo. Okay. Whatever you happen to be in, it is powered with fossil fuels. Bingo. But you say, no, no, not me, Jimmy. I'm driving an electric car. <laughs> okay. What does every single election car, electric car have in, in, in common? It is only possible because of fossil fuels. That's true. That is true. Never mind that the batteries in those cars do more pollution and harm to our environment than your oil or your coal ever could. There's also the small matter that when you plug it in, you plug it into the power of fossil fuels. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Okay, that's what they're doing. So the fact remains, right now, we're curbing production so we can get the virtue signaling points on the environment. We're America. We care. But what are we doing in return? We're getting our energy from countries that produce it in a filthier manner than we do. This is like when the mafia doesn't want to get their hands dirty. Hey, I don't want to kill anybody. I'll go to jail. So what I'll do is I'll pay somebody cash to kill somebody, and I get rid of the person. The deed is done, but I don't have to worry about it, you know, unless, of course, somehow you get implicated. But that's what we're doing here. We're like, oh, don't worry about it. We're not going to make as much production here, even though just in Texas and Oklahoma alone we've got 200 years' worth of supply that we're sitting on. No, no, we'll give it to Venezuela. I know we're supposed to be... you know, protecting democracy, but they've got a dictator down there that will remain in power for another 20 years thanks to our largest say, you know. And, uh, you know, in the process, even though we burn it filthier here, we can uh, – cleaner here anyway, we can produce it filthier there. 
And then we can, you know, require more fuel just to get it back into the country. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But that's exactly what we're doing. Venezuela makes filthier fuel than we do. So we're now outsourcing production to Venezuela and in the process expanding fuel just to get it back into our country. Ergo, we're creating more pollution by going green. I think he's got a point. But the point on the left when they say we're all going to die, we got to curb emissions and everything in between is that they're trying to make money. And I got to be honest, they're doing a damn good job of doing so because there's a lot of idiots out there that are along for the ride. And that's where you find yourself as 2023 kicks off. We're not about to die in 10 years, but this guy's about to buy another jet in 10 years should he live to be 100 because that's all these climate change dirtbags ever, ever do. You are correct, sir. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The first round of voting for House Speaker in the Republican Party went down a short while ago. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. Pretty good way to put it uh, as the second round of voting gets underway. Okay, what we now know is Jim Jordan, who received one vote to be House Speaker from Marjorie Taylor Greene, responded by making a plea for GOP unity on the floor, has now been nominated by Matt Gates to be the next House Speaker. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Is it going to end with Jordan as the next House Speaker? The answer would be no. No, the Republicans are in a state of disarray. Jim Jordan is going to be joining us on this show later in the week. Mikey, do we know what day Thursday? He'll be on Thursday. So you'll get Jordan and Dave Landau. That's a good one-two punch on the show. Uh, But Jim Jordan will be here Thursday if, in fact, the voting has concluded by then. (laughs) But this is a second round of voting underway now. It's significant because this has not happened in over 100 years in the House of Representatives. Has the vote gone to a second ballot? So it's significant. We'll see how it plays out. In all honesty, personally, I am enjoying this. I know they're like, oh, it's a clown car and the Republicans are a mess. And that's true. No, they are. The party, they're not much better than the Democrats. Like, I agree with the Republicans on issues. But when it comes to execution, they're terrible. I mean, Mitch McConnell and every, you know, how many Republicans went out and voted for that omnibus spending bill? Okay, $1.7 trillion. Thanks, big government weenuses. Yeah, because we're going to get the bill. But the point is... Watching these guys squirm for a few hours is, to me, I get a kick out of it. I mean, by the end of the day, they're going to figure out who the speaker is. You know, you can say they're playing with fire because if they don't hit the threshold, it'll eventually allow the Democrats to choose a new speaker. But uh, it doesn't specifically work that way where they just go like, uh, you know, evil Knievel's son. And he just becomes the spits on how it works. Shout out to the Knievels everywhere. I know they're big fans of the show. But the point is uh, we're watching uh, a little bit of a congressional clown car in Washington that we will continue to update. When we come back, uh, the mood will get a little more serious. Uh, Paul Morrow, he is a retired NYPD inspector. He has been on the ground in Idaho for the better part of a month trying to help solve 
the murder of four college students. Ultimately, the police did, in fact, get their man in Pennsylvania last week. And we're going to get a full update on everything we know and on the process going forward. Because, of course, you know, if we have a rooting interest in anything, it's that this dirtbag spends the rest of his life rotting in a prison cell. Garbage like you just makes me sick. And I do mean that. And we can only hope maybe it escalates beyond the prison cell. And maybe they even give the guy the death penalty if, in fact, he is guilty as charged. Because it would be... a addition by subtraction, if that were the case. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And uh, you might have seen this next guest on America's Newsroom this morning before I made my appearance. He joins us now to answer the question on every American's mind, which is, will he bring back the turtlenecks on TV? He didn't have one on today. Retired NYPD Inspector Paul Morrill joins us on the show. Hey, man, what gives? Not a whole lot, Jimmy. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, Should we read into the lack of a turtleneck this morning on the air? Listen, all I can say is I'll say two things. First of all, I noticed that you've gone to the turtlenecks after I started the trend. Stop it. And by the way, I enjoyed your intro music. That was the Cars, right? Is it 1986 already? Wow. <laughs> We're trying to shake it up, if you will. Um, the uh, By the way, the Cars under this administration had to change their title to the Electric Cars. <laughs> yes, he said the Teslas. <laughs> They're not allowed now. It was broken up. Well, I want to jump into the serious stuff really quick. So what we know about this, you know, Idaho murder case is, of course, they apprehended the perp. Uh, late last week, I believe it was, was it Friday? It was Friday. Friday so upside yes. down. And uh, the Pennsylvania police are supposed to give us a press conference today at 4.30. Is that correct? Uh, I believe so, yeah. The um, the appearance that he's making relative to the extradition is scheduled for 3.30. No cameras allowed in the courtroom. There mm-hmm. will be some media inside, however, so we should get a full du- full dump of what occurred about 4.30, yeah. Well, that, wor- that works, because this is what I wanted to ask you. So last week, as we were covering this on The Five, the explanation we got out of Iowa was that they can't comment on the case until the probable cause affidavit is released. Um, mm-hmm. And that was my understanding. But what I wanted to ask you is I know that's an Iowa thing. On the Pennsylvania side of this, is there like a reciprocity to that to that you know legal approach? Or can the Pennsylvania police give us details today in regards to at least the capture of this guy? You know, I, I don't specifically know. That's a pretty arcane legal question. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, there is a compact that is signed among all of the states, and it devolves from the full faith and credit in the Constitution that the mm-hmm. states will honor each other, uh, each other's const- individual constitutions, and it comes down to things like extraditions, et cetera. But remember something, Jimmy. There's all likelihood that the Pennsylvania State Police don't know a whole lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. This thing is under seal in Idaho. What they do know is that they've seen the the, um, the warrant mm-hmm. for the extradition, but that doesn't mean they've seen the affidavit. I don't know that they've gotten the underlying um, affidavit mm-hmm. that lists all of the probable cause evidence. For an extradition, mm-hmm. the um, bar is very, very low. You really – all you have to do is demonstrate that the person is who we have identified him as that is to say this is brian koberger not that he committed the crime we don't have to prove it or anything Mm -hmm. just that this identity is accurate and then that the crimes that he's accused of are extraditable and obviously in this case four counts of murder one are going to be extraditable so uh i don't think you're going to get a whole lot more out of pennsylvania they're not going to want to step into that they're not going to want to do anything that Mm -hmm. could violate uh, any due process rights here that the 
Perp might have. Mm-hmm. And I think all we're going to get is some details about the extradition hearing, the fact that he waived, which apparently he's going to do, and then maybe a timeline as to when he's going to land out in Idaho. Okay. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. Paul Morrow's on the line. He's retired NYPD inspector. He is the founder of OpsDesk.org, something I was forced to describe to subscribe to by Dana Perino, your hitman. Uh, but but let's, let's stay on message right now just for a minute because it was another thing I wanted to ask you is Friday when we were getting the initial details of his arrest, you know, mm-hmm. there was that report circulating that he had asked police, hey, did you arrest anybody else? Now, yeah. just speaking in terms of pure horse sense, did that give you the instinct that he was maybe trying to throw cops off the scent or did you read into that as there's a very reasonable chance he had an accomplice? You know, I don't know that it has to be either of those. Okay. Um, remember that he thinks he's quite clever, right? Mm-hmm. There yeah. seems to be an air of arrogance about him. That's one of the things that's been described by some of his classmates, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it might be that he was trying to throw them off. I think he thought that, uh, you know, with his knowledge of uh, criminal procedure and criminal justice matters, mm-hmm. that he was likely going to get away with this. Assuming this is him, we have to remember he still is just the accused. He's innocent until proven guilty, yeah. all right? But that said, Assuming this is him, I think he thought that he would be able to cover his tracks and that, uh, you know, he wasn't going to get caught. And so I think he was thinking something along the lines of, hey, you know what, maybe they don't have a great great case. Maybe they don't have great evidence. Um, Let me see if they're fishing around and if there's somebody else that's been arrested. I don't know that it goes anywhere near uh, like an accomplice or something Mm -hmm. like that. I think with some of the digital um, investigation that's likely gone on, they would have put that together. Mm -hmm. And so I think it does come down to the idea that uh, maybe, you know, he thought he was going to either throw them off, as you say, or he was hopeful that they would say, well, we have two others in custody. And, you know, he was going to try to talk his way out of it. Oh, I get it. So this is this is more of like an after the fact. He still knows procedures and stuff on the legal end and he's trying to just work the system. Is that I, I, mean, I think I think so. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I think that's one of those things that comes down to somebody who's a little bit of an armchair expert. You know, he, yeah. he's been you know, the guy's 28 years old. He doesn't seem to ever, ever have had a job. So um, you know, one of the questions I have, Jimmy, is how he's been keeping heart and soul together all of these years. He's a professional student. Mm-hmm. And I know the only job that I've heard any inkling of is that at one point he was a part time security guard in his old high school. Wow. Um, and that's it. So, you know, that can't pay much more than minimum. So I'd, I'd like to know, you know, first of all, what has been funding all this education and everything that he's doing? And, you know, you have to ask yourself as well, what has he been doing with his life? You're not in school all the time, especially when you're going to grad school, right? He's yeah. got a master's. Now he's doing a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. What has he been doing all this time? Nobody seems to know him. Nobody seems to have a finger on him. And that makes me think that the. Pennsylvania authorities, once he decamps, and I'm sure they want him out of there fast, right? Because yeah. there's nothing but liability for them to have him around. God forbid, you know, he kills himself or something else. Mm-hmm. They want him out of there. So once he's out, I have to think that they're going to start looking at some of their own records yeah. and looking into this guy's background and see what else he might have been involved in. It's fascinating because, I, I mean, I don't know if that he lived with his parents. I mean, he doesn't appear to have at the time of apprehension. But I had read that he was stopped in Indiana and his dad was in that car. Did you see that report? I did. And that actually says that report, same report, says that he was stopped twice. Now, yeah. Indiana State P- PD are saying they have no record of it. But a lot of times car stops are not memorialized as they should be. So, you know, I don't know how deeply they looked into it. There's a couple of possibilities there. First of all, that it's just wrong, right, that it didn't mm-hmm. happen. But also – 
you know, let's say they were telling they were telling the car, right? Mm-hmm. That information is out that they were they were following the car. He was already on their radar screen. That was like mid December. Mm-hmm. They tailed the car cross country. Now, that's again rumor, right? Rumor intelligence. It hasn't mm-hmm. been yep. confirmed, but taking that uh, at face value. They might not have known who was in the car. Mm-hmm. So he's in his white Elantra. He's driving. There's somebody with him. Mm-hmm. They might have been concerned for that person's safety, not realizing it was his father. Oh, that's a good point. And, you know, they might have done a car stop just to get an eyeball on who's in the car with him. And God forbid it's a young lady. We've got to get her out of there somehow. Yeah. And maybe just play. It's a very delicate situation, especially if they think, okay, this is our guy. But they didn't have full probable cause yet, which apparently they didn't because they would have arrested him. Mm-hmm. Now they got a real dilemma. He's in a car with somebody. We don't know who it is. We think he's the killer. He's not arrestable yet. What the hell do we do? <laughs> and I've been in circumstances like that yeah. where you've got to make a it's quick heavy. call and see, you know, and, and just do your best and hope the chips fall, you know, correctly. The only thing I will say is why would you do it twice? Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, that doesn't ring true to me. The only thing I can think of is that after the first stop – Maybe the cop said, I think I might have seen something in the car that was relevant. Well, let me, As in, there was maybe a knife in the back seat or something like that, oh, and they took another shot at it. Well, let, let me ask you this question. Is it possible they pulled him over the first time and didn't know he was who he was? Entirely possible. Okay. It, all could have been, it all could have been happenstance. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in the same way that they've kept everything very tight here within the task force, um, I am fairly sure that they did not – alert, let's say, Indiana Highway Patrol that they were going to be driving through following the yeah. potential Idaho killer. Yeah. So the whole thing, and look, like I said, it could have happened that he just got pulled over twice because he was driving erratically. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Um, are you heading back out there with Lawrence? I am, yeah. So Lawrence Jones, uh, you know, and the gang, we're going back out uh, Thursday mm-hmm. to, um, you know, hopefully be out there for what they call the probable cause hearing, which is like an arraignment. He'll get his full uh, charges read to him. Mm-hmm. He'll enter a plea. And, uh, you know, then they'll make an application, I assume, for bail, which will be denied. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all kinds of procedural things that will come into play. You know, the judge will have to decide, does he go into protective custody? I don't see how he's going to put this guy into general population, right? Yeah. So there's that. Um, will there be a gag order for the lawyers not to talk to the media? Um, is the defense going to ask for a psych eval to start mm-hmm. building the bricks for a an insanity defense? And all of this, as I said this morning, all of this is positioning for the potential that he is looking at a death penalty case here. Wow. And potentially it gives him some leverage if he throws enough roadblocks up and makes the case problematic enough. It's possible that at some point the prosecutor will say, look, we'll offer life without parole. And he gets to live his life out someplace in, uh, you know, maximum security. Well, any anything that ends with him off the streets, obviously, addition by subtraction. Um, I should remind the viewers uh, the best up to the minute coverage on this can be found at opsdesk.org, expert analysis. And I'm not just saying it because I'm reading this at gunpoint. Uh, good luck out in Idaho. Uh, we are hoping as, you know, serious as the situation is, we are quietly rooting for a return to the turtlenecks, just so you know. No pressure. <laughs> You're easily pleased. All right, good okay, stuff. I'll do my best. All right, good luck out there. I'll see you soon, Paul. All right, buddy. Take my care. Man. The great Paul Morrow. There he goes. There we go. Back after this. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. Maybe. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it.
Showgirl, bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America, our maiden voyage on the legendary KSUV out in Northern California. Joining us now to cap it off, not only one of my New Year's Eve co-hosts, but you are a first for me of sorts. I've never broken into anyone's office here at Fox News before, (laughs) but I did, in fact, break into your office today to drop off a gift on behalf of one of our listeners. Emily Campagno is here to explain. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Happy New Year in person. Happy 2023. The funniest part about your break-in is that I found the car, like, placed in the corner under a piece of paper. Like, normal people, when you go into an office, you set the thing on the chair, on the keyboard, on the open part of the desk. Yours, I, I, I essentially found while I was like cleaning out the closet. I'm like, oh my God, Jimmy <laughs> left this amazing car here well, from Alan in. Cole. Next time you got to do a better job of the robbery, of leaving <laughs> the, the wet bandit mark. Alan Cole, if you're listening, and I know you are, uh, Emily has officially gotten that amazing Harley Davidson Ford Mach 1. It was amazing. It's I, I put it on my story as a thank you. Thank you so much, Alan Cole. I love it so much. I love the detail. I love that all the doors open. I love mm-hmm. the engine looks, and it's displayed prominently in my office now yes. with all the doors open. Can I now explain, though, why placement was an issue? Because you don't know this, but we need to have an intervention. So there's a fine line between having a well-decorated office and running an actual Applebee's. Oh, I'm sorry, Jimmy Fela. Is anyone looking at your desk right now? We're <laughs> in the middle of like a... a- Listen, garage sale. This is a set of a show. We are on TV right now on Fox Nation. The show Hoarders. (laughs) People are listening on the radio. So what happened, Alan, is I went into Emily's office. I was about to put the Mustang down in a good spot. But then I accidentally ordered two for one appetizers and a half price (laughs) margarita. And I just left the Mustang on the desk somewhere in the corner. But the point is the eagle has landed. And we thank you for being fans of this show, although we're not so keen on your fandom of Emily Campagno. (laughs) But nonetheless, you are here. Um, New Year's Eve. Saturday night, how much fun was that damn pre-show? The whole thing was great, but the thing we did at 9 o'clock was outrageous. It was amazing. That was the best hour of my life. It was uh-huh. so great. I loved being on with you, it obviously. So it was so much fun. And walk- watching back, what I loved is that you could really sense and feel the energy that we had and the glee yes. and the joy and all the things. It was like we were representing entire galaxies of awesome, and you could <laughs> palpably see and share in it through the screen with both of us and Griff and everyone. It was just It was a banger. And what's so funny, what is really funny about it, we're talking to Emily Campagno. She's in studio against our wishes. <laughs> we, I had been promised to phone her, Mikey. You're dead to me, but stick with me. <laughs> I, like, I had, because we were both away doing our own thing over the holidays. Like, I have talked to you more on air in the last month than I have off the air. I know. A couple of hits on Outnumbered, maybe on here, and on New Year's. We spent like five hours together. What's that's funny it. is, literally, just before I came here, I was filling out an, a form in my office for a doctor's routine doctor's yeah. visit I have coming up. And as always, you're my emergency contact. So literally, like, I'm like, Jimmy Phelan, I put in your cell, like, friend, and you are always my emergency contact, and yet yeah. I've talked to you only on air, which is, I guess, the life of... That's <laughs> how this works now. Some crazy documentary. Yeah, I Yeah, know. but well, uh, you're going to have to change the number because they gave out my real cell phone on the air, so they're not even going to get through. How amazing was that? Dude, how did we not crash the entire system? It just, I laughed so hard. I feel like we need to compile a book of, like, Jimmy texts. Now that everyone has your number, just keep them coming, and then that's going to be like, or like a well, monthly no. magazine or something where you can just laugh in the doctor's office as you're reading. Well, like, can I tell you something though? What was so funny is like we were going through the show, we were going through that phone after the broadcast was ended, right? Mm-hmm. And like what we missed, like what we should have aired, what we didn't get to. Three of the nopes were just personal texts you've sent me. It's like just based on the language. <laughs> it was like, listen, you fat. Fu- <laughs> 
<laughs> the producers are like, this one's clearly R-rated. <laughs> we oh, block. sorry, guys. That was from M. We got to block this one. Sorry. Oh, yeah, that was actually one of our co-hosts. But it was epic. It's 20, <laughs> 2023 is here. So We're doing the damn thing. Now, let me ask you this, okay, because it's important to our listeners. Yesterday, uh, we had New Year's Day on a Sunday, spilled into a Monday. When is the correct day? I think today is the day to start renewal. I don't think it was on New Year's Day. I never agree with starting a diet on New Year's Day. College bowl games are traditionally on. You're working off a hangover. Traditionally, I would say the day after. But because yesterday was an off day for a lot of our business, do you consider today the opening day? Billion percent for all the reasons you just stated. So Sunday, I mean, you know, we all woke up in a pool of our own vomit at 4 a.m., 4 p.m. Monday, yesterday, so I worked. However, Uh Winter Classic, Rose Bowl. I mean, uh, it was New York City streets, the deadest I've ever seen. I literally was like, am I on a movie set? The only reason I worked is because I'd already taken off two weeks for the holidays. Otherwise, I would be have not left the couch um, but you, so today for sure, and you can feel it in the air because today was the first day that there was a commute outside yep. that I was actually walking with fellow commuters rather than tourists everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first day our salad place was open. So yep. I actually ate a vegetable for the first time. In wow. Yeah. So yeah, yesterday, absolutely not. That was still like takeout and pizza. Yeah. Today is the day you get your life together. Yeah, maybe. Or the okay. day you, you, the day you start, you know, making a move toward it, <laughs> ease into it. It can be tomorrow. Let me ask you this. Okay. Do you? You have as as an Italian, okay, as we both come from, um, you know, pretty big Italian families. Uh, do you have anybody who is like an Italian in your family with no filter that weighs in on your appearance or no? Because like I will get calls like you look puffy on TV. You're eating too much salt. Do you have anyone in your family that does that to you or no? Well, you first of all. <laughs> Secondly, definitely yes, a couple, and it's so funny. Yeah, and um. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, also myself. Like, interestingly, I watched a segment from today, and I was literally like, "Oh, I'm, I'm the Stay Puffed Marshall, (laughs) a little Tanner, I'm a little swollen, I'm a little visibly still." Do you you know how I know now? Is it because you were looking at my face? No, not at all. No, because I just know I go through this during. I get like a reentry burn when I come back to TV life, (laughs) and I've been off for like a week. You know what I'm saying? Yes, somebody will say something to me, but I can always tell if I've been like uh, how I've behaved during a break by just the reaction of the makeup team. Like if you if you hear a gay man sigh when you walk into a room, that's a bad sign. I was a bad bad boy. Bring the contour. Jimmy needs it. (laughs) Ah, there it is. Emily Campagno, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. My friend, listen mm-hmm. to so much joy, abundance, blessing, success, and for you, a little less calories. Hey, now get her out, get her out of here. There she goes. It was a high honor to grace your airwaves, KSUE. I will see you tonight on Kennedy and the Ingram Angle. This one's over. Get out. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.